So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. This one's from Jen Greenberg. Uh, Jen Greenberg says, super informative course, easy to understand. This is the first Rebus University course that I've completed. I really got a lot out of it and can't wait to start implementing the techniques in my marketing campaign. Thank you for making the course available. I liked that it was broken into short sections and it was very easy to see and understand. Looking forward to taking more courses. Jen Greenberg, thank you very much. Jen Greenberg, five stars. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you in full by Rebus University, the future of real estate training. Go now to www.rebusuniversity.com and use the coupon code ROCK for 20% off your first course. Double your commissions now with Rebus University. Okay, Rockstar Nation, I have a super guest with a great, great, great topic today. You know, in the back of my mind for the last year or so, I've, I've always been thinking when I'm building my courses for Rebus University about what topic I need to add, like what's needed to add. I mean, that's why we added the buyer agent course because we, you know, a lot of people are like, we need buyer agents. Um, we need to train our buyer agents. And uh, the one that keeps coming up to the top is negotiating. I really want to create a negotiating course. And as uh, luck would have it, I ran into uh, Tim, who had been on the show a long time ago. It's probably been a couple of years now. And, uh, you know, he's going around the country teaching negotiating to uh, top teams. So, so I said, Tim, why don't you come on Real Estate Rockstars and teach this class that you teach all these top teams around the country about uh, negotiating. So without further ado, let's welcome Tim Burrell from Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, back to Real Estate Rockstars. Tim, thanks for taking time on your busy day. I'm tickled pink to be here. This is going to be all kinds of fun. And what I'd like to do is, uh, and uh, Pat, thanks for the great introduction. I have a mission to try and improve the negotiating skills of realtors across the United States, and, and it's, uh, it's starting to take hold. Um, one of the biggest things that realtors have difficulty with, and frankly, everybody has difficulty with, is negotiating when their emotions run particularly high. And so today what I want to talk about is the art of negotiating, the art of real estate negotiating when you're dealing with emotions. And um, let, me, let me launch right into it. And, and well, part of what I, why I do this is the National Association of Realtors has taken a number of polls of our clients, and they've found that 83% of our clients expect that realtors are extremely highly trained in negotiation. And um, I've asked everybody how many negotiating classes they took in pre-licensing. The answer is normally none. And how many in post-licensing? Normally none. 
And you wouldn't be too surprised that the second biggest complaint to the National Association of Realtors is they expected a little more negotiating skills. So let's get a little bit more professional and really impress our clients so we can get more referrals. Um, what I'd yeah, like before to, we jump into this, Tim, let's, uh, first of all, what's your background and, and, you know, tell a little bit about yourself. Well, you know how everybody does something really stupid in their early 20s? Um, <laughs> I, I became an attorney. And I've been recovering from that ever since. So, you know, please don't hold that against me. Uh, I was a trial lawyer for a number of years. And frankly, that was a good place to learn how to negotiate because some of the worst human beings in the world are the only ones that end up in court. If you're reasonable, you're going to settle. And, uh, you know, things of that nature. I've been a real estate broker for 38 years. And I've been here in Raleigh for 23 years. I'm with REMAX United here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And really, uh, really enjoy not only running a good-sized team, but I do continuing education training for, um, I'm approved in North Carolina to do things live. I'm in, I have an online course in North Carolina and the state of Virginia, soon to be going nationwide, um, so that, you know, basically in your bunny slippers, you can learn to negotiate better with a four-hour course for only 50 bucks. <laughs> I love it. But um, the Harvard, Harvard people, Harvard Negotiating Project, if you want to study negotiating, they're a great group. And one of the things they had was a fabulous book called Beyond Emotion. And they deal with what, you, what do you do to control emotions and to deal with emotional situations. They've got five key ingredients, and we're going to walk through the five. Um, I tell stories. I've found that realtors react much better to stories that apply the concept than, to, than abstract concepts. So the, um, the five things we're going to discuss today, number one is appreciation. The second one is autonomy. The third one is affiliation, something like commonality. The fourth one is status, the people's status in the negotiation. And the fifth one is the role, what role you play and what role they play. Um, the appreciation is something that is critical. Um, it's related to empathy. And every year they give an award at the Harvard Negotiating Project for the best negotiation of the year. And they ask the negotiator, what was the most important thing? The vast majority of time, he says, empathy. So, you know, he or she, the person that won the award, finds that empathy is the most critical thing in there. And appreciation to keep emotions in check or to have emotions go positive is to start with understanding their point of view and find some merit into what they have to say. Now, you know, saying, oh, I, I can feel that you're very sincere about, you know, your particular position on, you know, the seller paid closing costs or something of that nature. Just tell them you feel and you can understand what they're doing. But appreciation does not mean that you agree with them. Right. All of a sudden, you know, this I think a lot of people lose track of, of, of this whole concept because what happens is, you know, they go in there thinking, I am not, you know, I'm not going to back down or I got to be tough or I got to be strong or you know what I mean? I got to, I got to put on my armor. And when you put on your armor, you lose your empathy. Yeah. And if you can see it from their point of view, Frankie, if you understand their point of view and you can figure out how to write their victory speech for them. Now the victory speech will be writing a victory that you put the deal you wanted together. But if you can visualize it their way to where they're feeling really good about what the results are, then you've been very successful. You got what you want and they think they're a genius. And that's, that's a wonderful thing is to have them feeling better. So, but appreciation, some people will come in and say, Oh yes, I, I, you know, I understand or don't say I agree. If you agree, you just lost the negotiations, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. so uh, critical ingredient. Let me tell you a story to illustrate it. I had a um, client, a very 
somewhat difficult person, a lot of emotional and a lot of buyer or seller. Uh, she was a seller. I do a ton of short sales, which is okay. a, not a wonderful way to make a living, but I still go out and rescue people. Somebody's got to uh, do it. Yeah. Uh, Nora had a number of medical problems and a large amount of emotional problems. And we were having a big delay with Chase on getting her short sale approved. I um, managed to get a hold of some senior vice presidents, managed to get some things straightened out. And I got a verbal approval saying that we're going to get the short sale approved and here's going to be the terms. So I called her up and, you know, explained the good news. She put me down and said that I was really not doing anything. And the whole reason for this is that she'd called the governor's office for the state of North Carolina yesterday. And that this nice gentleman there had said that he would do whatever he could to influence Jason to get this done. And so she thought that, of you know, I did nothing. She did the whole thing. It really <laughs> sit particularly well with me. Meanwhile, it was an intern who she talked to and he probably couldn't yeah, do nothing. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so realistically, I, you know, I didn't make... I didn't react as well as I should. And it was a good educational experience for me because I tried to explain to her that really that didn't do anything. And the fact that I've been years in the short sale business and all these conferences and established mm, relationships. and pulled that out. I hate when agents pull that crap out. You know what I mean? I've been licensed for 30 years, you know? Yeah. Same, same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> repeating with, like you. Repeating hey, I could say it because I've been licensed for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And anyway, the minute I start saying that's the minute I knew I needed to get out of the business. So go ahead. I'm sorry. You go. Keep. keep yeah. No. And, and the, you realize what you did wrong. No. And the point is exactly perfect because we're going to get into status later, and that's a good lead-in for for me, Pat. That's fabulous. Um, anyway, when I put her down on this thing, you know, she turned off, and it, you know, basically, I got the thing approved. She wouldn't even accept the approved short sale. Eventually, the property got foreclosed, and the lack of appreciation on my part was a huge mistake. And that's something that I haven't repeated. I try not to repeat my mistakes. But when, when you're trying to show appreciation, your biggest thing with most realtors is they don't listen well. They're so busy thinking of that clever thing they're going to say next that instead just listen and actively listen. Uh, you know, somebody says, oh, I, I really need to have an island in my kitchen. Well, tell me more about that. Well, you know, I need a lot of cooking space and, um, you know, additional surface area. Oh, well, why is that important to you? Well, during Christmas, I have lots of people over. I love to congregate in the kitchen. Well, congregate in the kitchen, what will that do for me? It makes the whole event much better. So go deeper and listen and appreciate what it is they're trying to tell you. Just repeat back a little bit of what they said. Ask them, tell me a little bit more. Why is that important to you? Anything along those lines and get more information. And then show that you appreciate by saying, oh, I can see how you would feel great when everybody's in the kitchen and you're all working together and celebrating. You know, feedback something along those lines. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool. An item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox, full of items of utility simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox that's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999 that's toolbox to 444-999
999. Now, if it's not working, try to get some kind of a metaphor. You know, that if you're not getting that appreciation across and they're not appreciating you, some kind of metaphor like, you know, it feels like we're swimming upstream here. How can, how can we make this easier for us to understand each other? And this really is necessary between realtors. If you can get a collaborative approach, you'll do a lot better. You think realtors should just say this for every negotiation they, they deal with? Like, you know, two co-op agents is, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're intermediaries between buyers and sellers. So two co-op agents talking almost if you had a personal policy to just say this statement feels like we're swimming upstream how do you think we can make this easier yeah what if you just said that every negotiation you dealt with with a co-op agent i think it would help and the thing that's wonderful about negotiating real estate is we all have the same goal you know back when i was negotiating in litigation the goals were not the same at all but here everybody wants to sell the clothes so we're mm-hmm. all aiming at the same target, and, uh, and you're exactly right. If we can collaborate. Now, there are moments when you have to use different negotiating styles, but that's a completely different course. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're working on the appreciation and you're not getting it from them, one of the gentle ways to see if you can get a little appreciation from the, your counterpart is just to say, well, now, what do you hear me saying? Because if they can repeat back. I like that, too. Yeah, if they can repeat back their reaction to what you're trying to get across, then maybe you can connect a little better and, frankly, correct their lack of, of listening and lack of... of I remember when um, in, in building the uh, Certified Price Reduction course with Mike Sloan, what, one of the things Mike Sloan teaches on, on price reductions is, you know, you got to go in and be angry with the seller. Like, you know, like, uh, like in going for a price reduction is a good example. Like if the seller says, I'm so mad, no one's looked at my house in two weeks. And then Mike would go, I know, I can't believe it. I'm so pissed. Yep. Rather than saying, oh, because you're overpriced or, oh, because it's something you, you know, pointing a finger. I know I'm so pissed Right. (laughs) or I'm so mad. All these agents have shown it and, and, and none of them have. You done, know, done any- this or just sold it yet. I know those agents, they suck. You, know, <laughs> you have to kind of go with them. That's empathy, right? That's empathy. It's right. not, and, you're not and, battling. Yeah. And the other thing it leads to is just a perfect segue to the next topic, which is affiliation. You know, if you're showing that affiliation with the person, you're mad with them, you're right in the boat with them, you're a team, you're partners, that affiliation is a huge way to increase your effect on negotiating, but also a huge way to get the emotions running in a positive manner. Because this emotional connection between the two of you, they can find some kind of commonality. You know, the, okay, we're both pissed about the, the price. Much more is a lot of times you have some social structures or some other way that you can collect, connect with something you have in common or some personal connection you've got with them. Um, because a lot of people start from a default position of being adversaries. Like you were saying, armor up, go into battle. Well, in reality, and sometimes you do have to negotiate that way, but it's much better if you have a win-win style and you collaborate and establish this connection. Uh, let, me, let me give you another story for an example. I um, have really good friends, uh, Russ and Barbara. Uh, Barbara I've known since college, and um, they had a delightful son named Wheeler. Uh, they adopted him, had to get him out of Peru under very difficult circumstances, devoted their life to raising a fabulous young man. Uh, he joined the Air Force, and during training, something strange happened in Arizona. They think he got bit by something, and he died. 
And what? they just had to sell the house. Being around the house, it just screamed Wheeler at them all the time. So they had to sell and move. And um, they got multiple offers. And frequently, people write a nice letter explaining why they're the right buyer. Barbara was an artist and still is an artist. And one of her favorite things living in that house was to stand out in front. And the elementary school is a little over a block away. And when Wheeler was going to elementary school, she'd stand there and watch him coming home with his buddies, goofing off, playing around. And she loved that. Well, one of the people that was um, you know, bidding on the property, hoping to win the bidding war, wrote her a letter saying, we're pregnant with our first nice little boy. And the young lady writing the letter said, and I can't wait to stand in the front yard and watch him walk home from that great elementary school because education is very important to us. And that school is a very important factor in us being interested in your house. Well, there's the affiliation. And you know who got the... the well, you know, yeah, it could have backfired though, you know. It could have backfired. Certainly been like, you know. Oh, and you're exactly right. Uh, and one of the things that's weird in multiple offers, I teach a different uh, course on that, is a lot of people say, yeah, but if I give them all that, you know, information about me, they're going to use it against me and raise the price. When you're in a bidding war, the price has already been raised on you. You know, you've already given up the price uh, negotiation posture, and you're now trying to say, I'm the right guy. I'm the one that wants to connect with you emotionally. But good point, Pat, because in a normal negotiation, you wouldn't lay that out there because all of a sudden, they're going to take advantage of that information and drag every last penny you've got in your jeans out of you. So good point. Um, in terms of affiliation, different ways you can do it. Uh, first one is structural. You know, you went to the same school. You root for the same team. You have some kind of affiliation from... You know, me, I can talk about my grandchildren for hours, and there's a lot of people in our business that have grandchildren. We can affiliate on that. But the, another factor is if you're meeting with people, don't sit across the table. You want to affiliate? Sit side by side. Be more informal, and then go ahead and, you know, try to establish some affiliation by asking for a favor, ask for their advice. You know, shows that you value them and that you want to, you know, communicate better. Um, same, same concept in personal relationships. Um, if, you, uh, if you have something where you can use the same body language, uh, if you use DISC profiling, you'll know how to communicate with the people using their uh, personality type. But one of the, another example I use is um, I do a lot of uh, representing banks and bank-owned properties and I get to show up and try to persuade people to move out after they've been foreclosed and offer them a little thing we call cash for keys, give them a little bit of money to help move, mm -hmm. move gracefully. And uh, one of the things that I start with to establish some affiliation, my parents, unfortunately, had their home foreclosed. So as the beginning of the discussion, I can empathize with them, show that I understand their position, mention that I'm a member of the same club they are, that my parents had their home foreclosed, and then we proceed with a little bit better negotiations because it's, uh, it's an emotional time right then to try and meet somebody on their doorstep uh, when they're losing their house. Um, the next big point is autonomy. And this is one thing that realtors get completely wrong. A lot of people think that what we're supposed to do is push, 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 push. And it backfires. You know, the thing you need to do is to have people feel like they are making their decision and that we are helping them come to a better decision that's in their best interest. Um, give you a specific example of, you know, how it doesn't work. Had a nice, um, well, it was a rental property in a not magnificent neighborhood. The woman who owned it, she's a hairdresser out in Bakersfield, saved her money up and fixed this house up real nice, but got really sick of every tenant just trashing this place. 
And so, um, you know, different parts of the United States won't believe these prices, but there are sections of Raleigh where you can buy a decent home for, you know, under $100,000. Her bottom line on this thing was 80000 hmm. The buyer, first-time home buyer, um, when I tell this in class, I start by saying, solamente 50 palabras. That means only 50 words. I don't speak much Spanish. I grew up in construction in Southern California. I can mangle the language, but the agent representing this buyer was a part-time agent. Mostly she taught a music school, but Spanish was her native language. And we're out there. This guy being a first-time buyer is going nuts on every little detail. We'd even, but my client had said, you get me a net of 80. I don't care what you do. You know, just make it close because we'd had two other things fall apart. Right. We took a five-year-old hot water heater and replaced it already. Didn't need to be replaced, but the part-time agent couldn't persuade the first-time buyer that it fine, we'll give you that. He's there going around and just about set, and he f- sees some stains in the ceiling, you know, old dry things where the roof used to leak, had been patched. And I happen to have my contractor with me, and we go through the whole thing. He tells me it'll be six grand to replace the whole roof. Okay. The vast majority of people listening to this can sit there and say, huh, so I got a deal at 88, and this guy's looking at a 20-some-odd-year-old roof, and I'm going to give him a brand-new roof for the same price, and they're thinking, damn, I can do that deal. This woman couldn't Hmm. because all she did was push, 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 and I kept trying to interrupt her and say, tell him he doesn't have to buy the house. Give him permission to do the exact opposite of what you want. That way, he won't feel like he's being forced to do it, and he'll feel he has some autonomy, and that's his decision. When it's his decision, it's a great idea. Right, yeah. Always, always. Yeah. Let, them, let them feel like it's their decision, like it's their idea. Correct. And you can ask questions and brainstorm stuff, you know, particularly if you want to you know, show autonomy. Just say, well, let's think of different ways we can get from here to there. Let's do that together. We're not going to decide. Let's just invent some ideas. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. One of the biggest parts of autonomy uh, happens uh, to almost everybody in the business. You have a young first-time home buyer, and you've gotten that person signed up, you know, on a nice property. You've looked at absolutely everything. It's by far the best one, and their parents come in after the decision has been made. Um, I, I refer to this as ACBD. You know, it's not ABCD. It's always consult before deciding. Always consult before deciding. So that 
if they're going to be involved, consult them Got it. so that they have the autonomy to be a part of the decision and they support the decision. If instead they've left, been left out and they don't feel any autonomy that they've been railroaded into this, they're going to show that they're smarter than you and I are. They're going to try and mess things up. So, you know, use that autonomy concept to involve everybody that may eventually have some input into it. Involve them early. Consult them before you decide. When they're on board, they're going to support that decision, and your life it cuts out a whole lot of emotional drama when mom and dad come in and try to show their, their little one that, uh, you know, that the little one's making a mistake and that realtor is not acting in their best interest. Great way to undercut uh, the emotional trauma and, and avoid that. So autonomy is huge. Uh, status, uh, good, good lead in by your part, particularly a lot of us who have been in the business a long time, you know, we've got a certain amount of respect, you've got a certain amount of reputation, and the status really helps. But one of the best ways to do it is to acknowledge it without really demeaning the other person or without trying to show any dramatic social status on your part. Um, simplest example I've got is I used to teach a class uh, approved by the North Carolina Real Estate Commission on short sales. I've written a book on short sales. It's in its fourth edition. Four or five years ago, they dragged me to national conventions doing that stuff. I wouldn't flaunt that, but I'd let people discover it. And then the listing presentation was fabulous. They'd come in, sit down in my office. We'd go over a couple of little things. I'd explain short sales. We'd sign it up and things moved along. So, you know, status is important. But don't demean theirs and don't flaunt yours. Um, I'll jump a little ahead. Okay, well, and actually, one of the best ways to start on status is Google the people you're working with. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I mean it's so easy. It takes like two minutes. Yeah. You know and read, I mean? read their bio because their bio is them telling you what status they think is important. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Then go ahead and highlight some of that and compliment them a little bit. Of it. But the, the fun part... I learned this, I think I was about seven years old, one of my grandfather's rotary meetings. And he's listening to one of his buddies brag about his big, new, fancy car. And my grandfather was moderately well-to-do, and um, he finally had had enough. Mm. So he just said, look, aren't you, old, aren't you rich enough to drive an old car? And at seven, I tried to correct him and said, no, no, Grandpa, rich people <laughs> drive brand new, fancy cars. Now, as I've gotten much older, I've realized that when people have to flaunt it, they probably don't have it. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's always rust under the hood. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that you can't you can't use that as a guide by any means. You know, no, no, no. But the the thing is exactly right. Is you know sometimes <laughs> I've made this mistake more than once. Uh, dealing with another agent, they come up with something that is just completely wacko. <laughs> and at that what stage, mean, what do you mean? What agent comes up with something completely wacko? Oh, I'm say oh, for, like, like a, in, as part of the negotiation. Yeah, and they come up with something that's just totally out of left field of why don't we ask the seller to, on a short sale to completely remodel the, the kitchen? You, they're it, not right. making any money. You got to. Oh, yeah, up. right, right, right. Yeah, totally nuts. And my initial reaction would be to kind of question, uh, how long have you been in business? <laughs> now, yeah. absolutely the worst thing you can do, you know, because it oh, demeans. Of right, of course. And so, you know, uh, uh, I'll tell you a bunch of mistakes I've made so that you guys can, uh, can learn from my experience and not have to have to make those. So uh, status is critically important. Make sure that you, you know, show that you have some, but support theirs and have them feel better. Role um, is, is critically important for the different roles that people have in the, uh, um, in the 
in their negotiations. And for those of you that can actually see the pictures, uh, there's a picture here. Uh, a lot of you are just listening, but there's a picture here of Santa. And that Santa is the one that's on the Mercedes-Benz commercial for the last two years where Santa walks in through the elves and flips a switch. And, you know, instead of going off in a sleigh, he drives off in a nice red Mercedes. Well, that's my brother, Bruce. And he's a home inspector, but his role as being Santa really helps out when you're dealing with people that are getting emotional about their, um, their purchase. He's standing there looking like Santa Claus. That's a nice role to play when you're trying so to persuade. I don't, I'm not getting this one role. So you say role like, I mean, I mean, obviously everyone has a role in a negotiation. Let's say it's between two co-op agents. Can, mm -hmm. you, can you put this in perspective as to how role plays a plays a point because they, they both know one's a buyer agent, one's a seller agent. Right. And one of the things you can do is to switch. Uh, let's, let's show an example because one of the things you can do is to switch some of your roles. Yeah. A lot of times people will think their role is to push and persuade and argue and scream and pound the table. Yeah. You can switch your role to being a listener and change your role in this thing to saying, as opposed to me being the one who presents all this stuff, I'm the one who's just going to ask questions. And my role is going to be to discuss this and use some very creative questions to lead them to their conclusion. If you ask the right questions, they will come to your conclusion, but they will think it's their conclusion. And, you know, your role in there is all kinds of different ways you can play negotiating. You can be, you know, with them in anger. You can have them be angry. I can be calm. Uh, they can be the one presenting. I can be asking questions. It's, it's interesting what's happening with this because, you know, real estate for years has been a, a tr traditionally has, has had, you know, two emotional roles. You have an agent for the list, for the listing and an agent for the buyer, right? And mm -hmm. then the, the, when, when short sales and REOs came in, it completely scratched a record there because th there was no emotion on the listing side, right? I mean, it, it became right. a one-sided negotiation, basically. They're like, you know, if you don't like it, hit the road. Right. You know, this is it. There was no, there was no intermediary really needed for the, um, from an emotional negotiating standpoint. And now open door has done the same thing. I don't know if you have that in your market, but yes, in, in, you know, you know, what they've done is they've essentially, they essentially buy the house, right. Then they fix it up and they put it on the market, but it's, it's a virtual sort of deal, right. With their own company and their own, you know, seller. So it's, they're the seller. So again, it's the same thing as a short sale or REO where there's no emotion there. It's a completely business. It's a, it's a freaking, uh, you know, similar to a, how a hedge fund would negotiate or it is. You know, a massive investor would negotiate. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and go ahead. Negotiation has become, you know, almost impossible. And, and you're, you're just talking, you know, the purpose, the, the benefit you can get from from this discussion that you and I are having right now in this PowerPoint that we're talking about is that is that uh, your negotiation and your skills have to then uh, you know go to the buyer they have to you have to become empathetic to the buyer and you have to you kind of have to use these skills with just the buyer because it's not going to work and you get I mean how how do you deal with that nowadays yeah and, and you have an excellent point let me walk through a couple of different ones now, on the short sale part one of the biggest parts of the negotiation is to find the buyer who's going to be there. Your worst case when you're doing a short sale is you spend, you know, four to six months getting the thing through there. The buyer at the last minute finds another house and leaves. So what you want to do is to negotiate with the buyer. Frankie, you 
as the seller don't really care too much what the price is. The bank will care what the price is. So indirectly, I care because if I can get it high enough to where the bank's going to approve it, then that's a critically important factor. But the biggest factor on my negotiations with buyers in short sales is to find out who's going to stay the course. I've got a series of people that are investors that have gone through with me several times. And frankly, they don't care if it's two months, four months, six months, or a year. Our market's going up someplace between five and 7% a year. If it's six months later, <laughs> the investor's happy. He bought it at uh, you know six months ago's price and it's going up. On banks, the one thing you can do, one of the biggest tricks in negotiating is not to look at the position, but to look at the issue or the motivation. And on a bank, the person who's negotiating for the bank is an asset manager. The asset manager's biggest interest is getting a certain number to close each month. And so if they can get that number to close each month, they get their bonus. So their interest and their motivation is that. I had one with Bank of America years ago. I managed to convince them to fix up the property and I got seven offers. And I don't normally submit the offers, but on Saturday I was there, I've submitted the offers. Normally the asset managers aren't there either. I put in offer number four and the asset manager sent me a message saying, we accept that one. I sent him a message back. No, 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 no. I got to present all offers. He says, present away. Presented the rest of them. He comes back. We're accepting number four. Number four, price on the property is 160000 The earnest money, $159,999, all but a dollar of the purchase price. Bank of America's contract says after five days, your earnest money is gone. You do your inspection, you bail during the inspection period. After that, it's gone. The asset manager looks at this and says, that satisfies my motivation. This is what I want. My kid's going to get the Air Jordans this month because I'm getting the bonus. And so, you know, there are, you know, little negotiating things that you can use in weird situations. Your example, yeah. Yeah. Your example though, is you exactly. Know that, I guess you got you to know the ins and outs of Bank of America to know that. Right. And again, and that's a one-sided negotiation because at that point you're in a seller's market, right? Where the buyer's just like, I don't give a crap. I just want the house. Yes. Yeah. And, and what your point is exactly correct because a lot of things, for example, a bunch of banks recently have gone to a situation where the buyer submits their offer through an online portal and it goes directly to the seller. So my role is to sit there and watch which to me <laughs> makes it seem really strange. I'm the guy that's really good at putting deals together um, and they're making me sit on the sidelines. So, you know, that's your, your illustration is exactly perfect because sometimes the role switches to where you have something where you could you use a whole lot of talent and instead you get sidelined and you're just sitting there um, with not too much happening. So anyway, those are the points. You know, you've got, the, um, you've got the key ingredient of appreciation, something where you have to appreciate the other people involved. You have the affiliation, if you have something in common. Uh, you, um, you really need to, you know, not demean somebody's status, deal properly with their role, and, um, and support their autonomy. Let them feel that they are independent. If you do all of those things, you're going to avoid a lot of negative emotions, and you're going to get into a much more positive situation. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I love all of those tips. I mean, they, they all make sense. I could see them all being used, whether it's in police negotiations or, and or real estate negotiations. I mean, everybody should, should write them down and have them. And by the way, guys, we, this was a PowerPoint. So you're welcome to go. Uh, we post these on YouTube. And we also post them in iTunes video. So uh, if you didn't get the opportunity to watch this PowerPoint, you can watch the whole thing. It was recorded in iTunes video and, in, and will be put up on YouTube as well. Real Estate Rock Stars on YouTube. 
One of the things that'll help you find me, I don't have this website up now that's up on the screen. And so I'll go to the next one, but um, I, my other things, just to, you can find me at artofrealestatenegotiating.com. It's not up currently. And I'll put up the next one on the screen, which um, Pat's been kind enough. I'm offering everybody a 17-point negotiating checklist. I'll send that to, to Pat. He'll be able to get that to yeah, you. Yeah, so we're going to put that on his show notes. What, I'll just do Tim Burrell, too, because he's been on the show once. So just go to hybendigital.com, backslash Tim Burrell, B-U-R-R-E-L-L. Right, Tim? That's exactly right. Yeah, and the be- number two, and then uh, it'll all be on there as well as all of Tim's contact information if you'd like to reach out to him. And uh, I'll put all of his courses that he offers. I'll put uh, everything about Tim on there. And his free gift, if you haven't figured out, is a 17-point negotiating checklist, which you'll be able to get uh, in his show notes. And, of course, you'll be able to get it in the Agent Success Toolbox. You can simply get that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or texting the word toolbox to 4449. Nine nine, Tim. I really appreciate you taking time on your busy day today and uh, coming fun. back on the show. Loved it. Loved it. Always like to be able to chat with you. Thank you, sir. This episode is brought to you in full by Rebus University, the future of real estate training. Go now to www.rebusuniversity.com and use the coupon code ROCK for 20% off your first course. Double your commissions now with Rebus University. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast, and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening, and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.